listening to episode 264 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey with the Netflix series Dark. Got a lot to talk about. No rain. Yes, we in, do. In our forecast, although maybe a little thunderstorm tomorrow, but yeah. uh, you and but I, I like, both own uh, umbrellas, right? Yeah. One of, our, one of our colleagues today described the weather here as, it feels like someone's blowing a hairdryer on you. Well, and obviously it even can get worse than today. So not yeah. that I went out, but anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, again, uh, you know, we always do this. You guys are used to listening to us uh, complain about the weather here. But, uh, you know, in the big picture, Middle Atlantic, I like the fact that we really have a true change of season weather forecast. So that, you know, we really get a spring, we really get a fall, summer, winter so I, I don't think I could ever live in Florida, to be honest. Yeah. 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 Well, I like fall and spring are, are like the best, right? Oh, um, no question. Yeah, winter's not too bad here. Summer is, is nearly unbearable, but yeah, like so. we seem to get through it. All right. So I never really wanna... noticed it. This, this is like, this is funny because like, this is like one of those things when I was a kid, like my parents didn't even have air conditioning. So like I never, I never missed it because i never had it right like just if it got like above 100 degrees like my parents would pull their mattress onto the living room floor because they had a box fan but no one else did and so all six of us would go into my in the living room and sleep on the floor and then you know later once i like started living in houses that have air conditioning now it's like you can't go back right like oh, i could no never way. spend a night in my house at, in the in the summer at all like it's just no yeah no same there you know grew up we had fans but but that was it yeah. and then it's funny then we moved into a new house and i i don't know i should probably ask my mom sometime why did you buy this new house without air conditioning <laughs> and and then they had central air put in like you know a year later right so right I, I don't know it's probably like yeah, why, they, when i like my, I they come like this well, it's the time I bought a truck and decided to uh, not spend the money to have a radio. I mean, like, right. I don't know. Yeah. Would have would added about a dollar a month to my payment. So, right. So, yeah. So, the, you know, the, the upshot, though, is also, like, I didn't realize that other parts of the country have, like, better summers till I, like, went out to visit my sister in, like, Colorado, which is, like, 3% humidity. And it's, like, it could be 100 degrees, but you don't even feel it, you know, or, or California, the same thing. So... You know, oh yeah. Well, my dad just, was. You from don't, New you don't really uh, right. So that's still probably don't. pretty bad there too. No, New Hampshire yeah. in the summer not bad is great. There. Uh, well, okay, yeah, but not humid though. I thought the whole East no. Coast was just like a no. big net of humidity and mosquitoes. Yeah, just here. So, all right. Okay. Anyway, enough of that. Send us an email: sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail dot com, and we promise we won't talk about the weather anymore. Go to the website. We can't make that promise. I know. That was a lie. Don't don't even say that. (laughs) Leave a voicemail on the leave voicemail tab. Record your own audio clip the way Fred does. Send us the MP3. Tweet us at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. And consider joining the Facebook group and get into the discussions there. And and they've been picking up again. And uh, I posted a really cool video today. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I'll just say this. Catherine Tate is front and center in this video that the BBC put on their website it's only like seven minutes definitely worth checking out 
Love me, Catherine Tate. So absolutely. All right. Um, I mean, this isn't really news, but it kind of is. So uh, David and, and I hope I'm pronouncing it's either Howarth or Hayworth suggested via the Facebook group that we have a sort of spoiler zone at the end of the discussion to point out things that will become relevant later on. But for those of us that have already seen the entire series, we can go, oh, yeah, this is going to happen. So when we get to that point, we're going to warn you guys, stop listening if you haven't seen the entire series. We don't, I don't know what we're going to actually call it yet, but uh, so if you guys have any catchy names that we can give to the spoiler zone for when we do shows don't effing listen to another second if you haven't seen the rest of the episodes how about that Uh, it's catchy right it is catchy (laughs) (laughs) all right there's probably an acronym for it but you're right what if there is an acronym like it's really cool i just didn't realize it you know like don't uh, i don't know i have to figure it out all right i'm gonna go real quickly on my tip of the week and it's a film i've seen before 2004 independent time travel movie primer have you ever seen it uh yeah we've talked about primer before have we it's been a while only 75 minutes well the one thing i'm just gonna say if you're into time travel it's definitely worth 75 minutes of your time and i will Uh, say that anybody that says they understand what's going on after one viewing is a big fat liar and Dude, I've leave it at watched that. that thing like three or four times. I still have no idea what's going on. I know. So, all right, you got a tip. And you have to have, you, like, the like the recording, the audio is crap. And it you is can't crap. hear half the things they say. So you have to, not only do you have to pay attention to what's going on, but you have to put on subtitles so you can understand what people are saying. It's, uh, you know, I mean, I, I get it. It's, it's a very uh, thick movie. It's It's got a lot going for it. But I just think just the basic... Things of like the the bad audio and the the overly convoluted plot, I think just like I mean I've even gone online and people are just like ah, I don't know, <laughs> you know like I I've yet to really find something about Primer that says like okay here's definitively what's going on you know so all right anyway you I just got feel like tip. they could have done it in a more comprehensible way yes I do my first tip is to my brand new forty nine inch four K HD TV which is just, I'm like, just totally geeking over. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So it's funny because th- this whole process started with like, you know, cutting the cable. So we, we cut Verizon, got uh, PlayStation View as our you know, sub- viewing now, and which I'm not going to go into the whole details about, but it ultimately led to me buying a, a brand new TV. Cool. Now, so, do you have to have a PlayStation to have PlayStation View? No, no, it's just, it can be, you know, like the TV I got, it's a smart TV, has Roku and it's one of the apps on there. So yeah. Roku is awesome. And, and check out Roku has some streaming options that are free. In fact, I'm watching Andromeda on there right now, even though I do have the discs, it's just easier to do it that way. Cool. Anyway. Um, So, but my, my other, like, as far as like real pick of the week though, is, um, I'm going to do a podcast. So I've been listening to this podcast called Our Fake History uh, by Sebastian Major. He's a Canadian guy, and uh, it's it's really, really cool. He kind of, uh, I guess the, the way he describes the podcast is where we uh, try to figure out uh, what's real, uh, what's a myth, and what's too good of a story that just needs to be told. 
So he kind of parses through like these historical uh, events and characters and tries to kind of, I, I think he does a pretty good objective job of presenting both sides of everything. And uh, it's just a really uh, cool, enjoyable podcast. So good what's on it, you, Sebastian. What's it called again? Uh, Our Fake History. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've been struggling to find a new podcast that's not about a television show and yeah. i've gone through all these different history ones and and they're just not doing it for me i mean after yeah. the history of rome and revolutions you kind of get spoiled and yeah well check out our fake history because i to me it seems a lot like the mike duncan uh podcast you know like he's kind of in that same vein i think you'll like it cool so all right well why don't we move on to dark this Let's- is Episode 7 of Season 1, titled Crossroads, written by Yante Frisia and Mark O. Sang, who wrote Episode 103, Past and Present, directed, as always, by Baron Bo Odar. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot that comes out in this one, and, and, and just some initial thoughts. Uh, you know, you were talking to me before we started recording about the young boy with the bloodied face and the ear, and, and of course, we know that this is Helga in 1953 and we see him well we don't know it yet but well we don't know we know helga the side of his face is all messed up and you look at the kid's clothes and he's definitely not from and and this is the first our our first shot into the past past because this kid's definitely not a 1986 or 2019 kid yeah, right. definitely much earlier. And we go back 33 years from 1986, we get 1953. So, yeah, pretty the, – the math works out then for it to be Helga as, as well as, you know, the, the, you know, the messed up side of the face. Right. And, you know, in the same way that we uh, ha- have the mole with Nurse Ines. Uh, right. We've got the ear with Helga, and, and, and certainly that's the first little tip-off. But – at first, we think it's a dream, and while it may be a dream, it may be simply adult Helga, 2019 Helga remembering, it just could be you know, the narrative device that the director's using, but, but that line that well, he I think said it's all three th- of what you just said, actually. Yeah. I remember, I remember everything, and, and of course, the question is, who put him there? Mm-hmm. How did he escape death? So, in other words, we know he's in the room with the chair, well- from what right. we know, if you're in the room with the chair, you're done for. So right, but it doesn't have. Does it have the the wallpaper up already? Ah, uh, I think so. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Yeah, I can't remember. Right. Now we then later see 1986 Helga exit the bunker, wrap the dead body of a boy. I'm wondering, is that Yasin? I'm not um, sure. But yeah, got- so like you know, Fred talked about that in his. I I thought it was Mads, but but I don't because think the clothing was. I don't know. I, I yeah, I know. Like Fred said, the the clothing is different. So I'll, I'm gonna have to kind of defer to him on that one. Um, I guess I just automatically seeing 1986 Helga pulling the body out. I just assumed it was Mads, um, but you know, as far as we know, we've got. Uh, three dead kids, right? We've got yes. Yasin. Well, I don't know if we knew Yasin. Maybe it is Yasin. I don't know. But we've got you know three missing kids: Eric, Yasin, 
Mads and, and Mickle, so four, I guess. Right. Um, though we know one of them isn't dead. Uh, two of them we know are dead. And the third we're you know, fairly certain is dead. I can't remember if we've gotten confirmation about Yasin or not yet. So, I mean, I, I assume it's Mads, but I, I also admit that I could be really, really wrong because I just assumed. And I didn't really notice the details. Right. And, and I mean, we see the burned eyes the coin on a string around his neck and we see that the light's still on in the bunker and then that's when we go in and we see this man with that tattoo on his back scrubbing the floor in the bunker and we learn that it's you know 1953 noah who appears and i didn't notice this the first two times but he appears to be wearing military uniform pants and boots i mean he's obviously stripped down he doesn't have a shirt and he writes on the wall 511-1953. I'm sorry, he writes under 511-1953-911-1953. We can see that the two dates are in different handwriting. So if this is, in fact, Yasin, does that mean that 1986 Helga is going to 2019 to abduct boys? Well, I'm pretty sure they're different. You know, it makes the nines the same. Um, Nines have that little thing underneath. I don't know. But but is 1986 Helga going to 2019 to abduct boys to take them back to 1986, or is he taking them to 1953? Well, 1986 seems to be where the the magic happens, right? That's it. Seems like that's when he has that that machine and everything because. When we see him in that room with the wallpaper, they're watching the music videos. It's 1986. I mean, that's where Eric was. Eric was definitely in 1986. Okay. Right? Oh, absolutely. And, yes. and by 2019, it's, it's not there any longer. Right. 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 And, but, but then how do we explain Mickle's journey? You know, how did he get through right. the caves? And right. again, I think Fred brings this well, up. Well, I have a theory, but in spoiler zone, I think because I have I have a definite theory about that. That's not answered because we don't even at the end of the series we don't know that one. Okay, right, right. Now so. the other thing is we see the Raider candy bar, and and you know one of our first viewings of that was uh, I forget who bends down and picks up a Raider candy bar I, uh, in 2019. I don't remember who it was that did that. Yasin did. Oh, okay. Yasin did. And I think, didn't they find one, like, either on Mads' body or under it or something? Well, well, we learned that Mads, that was his favorite candy bar. But right. I did look, and according to Dark Wiki, Raider it was an actual candy bar, and it changed its name to Twix in 1991, Ooh, which means the wrapper that's found in 2019 obviously becomes more meaningful so that right. somebody brought a raider bar from 1986 we presume to 2019 so then who would that be in fact but yeah you know what they should bring back you know if they're going to bring back a chocolate bar what would what would you bring back like a chocolate bar that's been gone and, and should come back gosh i don't know you know i was never all that into candy bars i mean i'm basically like you know milky way hundred thousand dollar bar that's that's pretty much it for me why what are you thinking okay. about the reggie bar 
<laughs> yeah, well, Reggie Bar is a lot like a hundred thousand dollar bar. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think it's pretty much the exact same thing, except yeah. without Reggie Jackson. I, I thought, but when I was a kid, man, like Reggie Bars, I thought they were the greatest ever. Yeah, you know, Especially I think I've a, played for the Orioles a little bit. I think I saved a rapper somewhere <laughs> when I was collecting basically anything to do with sports. Right. But the other thing that I went and looked up that tattoo on Noah's back is known yes. as the Emerald Tablet. That was and, complex. You sent me that and my head hurt. Yeah, well, just, you know, real briefly, and, and you know, you guys can Google this just as I did, but it, it's a compact cryptic piece of the Hermetica wisdom texts, which were reputed to contain the secret of the origin of the universe. And I think that's basically all we really need to know about that uh, because the origin of these caves and the portals is certainly something we've we've talked about the or the original source of the emerald tablet is unknown but it does seem to start appearing in texts in the sixth to seventh to eighth centuries so for now that's what it is and we also see it framed i believe it was in the hospital when mickle's in the hospital yeah yeah mickle is looking at it's in his bed he's like it's on the you know he's kind of I don't even know if he's even looking at it, but it's just it's, it's on his bed and as he's in the hospital. So where, is that after Noah talked to him? I can't remember. So you know, maybe Noah gave that to him. I, I really need to pay more attention when I'm watching these things. So It's a lot to keep up with. Let's go ahead and start with Jonas, who's exploring 1986 and begins to come to terms with what it is he's learned, which is obviously a lot to take in. And we see him wake up in some sort of a watchtower like uh, you know some sort of a ranger might uh, go into to make sure everything's cool with the forest that he's tasked with keeping an eye on but obviously that's where he chose to sleep for the night right. and then now is that the field where like the the dead sheep were i don't know that's a good question i didn't even think about that because it's like i, I feel like i've seen that field in other places you know yeah um like, like I think that's where, oh, okay, now I'm, all right, forget it. Okay. Well, I, I went, so I, I, after the suggestion was we do the spoiler thing, I went and watched the rest of the series again, and now I'm, like, remembering things that have yet to happen. Like, it's actually kind of an experience, like, being actually in Dark, where I'm thinking of things that might have already happened, but that actually happened in the future, so, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I still think we've seen that future, that, that, that field before. All right. Well, anyway, he sets out to explore what we know is 1986. So he goes to school, which it was Mickle's first uh, stop as well when he went through. Uh, We hear hear the 80s music playing, goes through the door, papered with the Mads posters again, and he finds Regina. Oh, it's Flock of Seagulls. Well, you know what? Uh, Look, I was never a big fan of 80s music, but it's starting to grow on me. (laughs) yeah you can't you can't resist it man it's it's like it's like eating too many reggie bars yeah yeah so so he sees her there by herself and says look i know this is going to sound strange but what day is it what year is it and you know she says that's 1986 tells her he's looking for michael conwald and and she mentions uh nurse ines and okay so so far so good and i think at this point obviously he knows He's time traveled and, you know, in conjunction with the letter and and all of that. He's seeing his mom and stuff. He's taking it all in. And 
uh, you know, th- then later he's still we see- freaked out though. He's still clearly like yeah. still processing, you know. Yeah, but he does a pretty darn good job of keeping yeah. things under control, particularly when he's walking in the rain along the road and Egon stops and asks him why he's not in school and gets in the car, claims he's injured, going to the hospital. And, and so Egon offers to drive him. And <laughs> I love that. Uh, just as he's getting out, he's like, wait a minute. You know, is Satanism a thing with kids? Yeah. <laughs> and, and he just and looks at him like uh no. well he he laughs at first like <laughs> yeah. you're like you're joking because it seems so ludicrous but again going back to what i've said before like back in the 80s parents were like losing their minds over that apparently in, i thought it was just america but apparently in germany too people were like worried that you know heavy metal music meant that kids were listening to satan and drinking blood and stuff like that so you know yeah I know. But uh, but um, but Jonas does a great job of keeping this cool. You're absolutely right there, um, because I don't know if he knows who Egon is. I mean, there obviously Egon's pretty old back in '86, so it's, I, I think it's very unlikely that um, he was around when when Jonas was around. But uh, you know, like like he notices Jonas's headphones, and Jonas actually. Tells them what they are. They're, they're headphones. He puts them in his ears, and Egon's still like, ah, get, get out of here with that. Yeah, but but Egon's just so old and, and out of touch with everything. He doesn't even, like, recognize, like, technology from, like, 25 years into the future, like, right there. He doesn't say, this, this, you know, like, just plays it off. But also, like, Egon is just clueless. Like, like the, the, the excuses that Jonas gives him are, even by teenage standards, pretty weak you know like i mean as teachers we are inundated with excuses on a constant basis right sure um and so you get you know you develop a pretty good bsometer as a teacher but uh you know egon's bsometer which as a cop you think would be pretty fine-tuned it is it is terrible Right. Right. But we don't know if he's just stupid or he just doesn't care because we know he's close to retirement and he doesn't care for them. I mean, the only thing he seems to care about is getting Ulrich. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And and so he's so focused on this that some weird stranger is walking around your town with goofy things hanging out of his pocket and you don't even like suspect him like at all like you still have a missing kid dude like some stranger showing up who looks kind of creepy like obviously jonas does walking alone in the rain like dude that to me is like suspect material but he just drops him off at the hospital yeah. you know yeah now you know when he's at the hospital and he obviously sees mickle sitting on the bench the stranger comes up to him and and on the one hand it's nice to have a lot of answers just laid out for you but when he tells him you know you're not crazy neither was your father and then jonas asks well is there a crack in time in the cave which i I love that's his his question but you know ulrich's his grandfather martha's your aunt and jonas tells me he wants to take mickle back to 2019 but the stranger tells him that he can't change things and that line you're erasing your whole existence which immediately brings up the whole back to the future so we haven't gotten any indication that that's the kind of time travel we're talking about but 
he follows that by telling him your role in this is bigger than you think. Yeah. So even right. though he, he implies that he'll never be born because his parents will never meet that statement that every decision for something is a decision against something. And if, if you're Jonas, it's like, all right, now what? You laid all that out. Yeah. On yeah. You know, because, you know, this is, and even after all that, Jonas is still seriously considering grabbing Mikkel. And I don't know if he shouldn't, you know, like, yeah, I mean, let's face it. The stranger is just that, a stranger. Now, granted, he's got some pretty good creds with Jonas. He he did give Jonas uh, the his dad's note, right? Yeah. Um, seems to know a lot about Jonas. And we had talked about how we suspect that the stranger is Jonas. And this obviously only reinforces that more. But, uh, you know, like, like Jonas just, you, you know, the, I, I'm not sure exactly what it was that he said that really kind of resonated with Jonas. But I think the idea that by taking Mikkel back, he can potentially erase his own existence and the fact that for somehow he's important to something, you know, all of that, I think it's kind of resonates with, with Jonas here. Yeah. And, and I, I love that because as you said, I mean, if he takes Mickle back, then Mickle's not going to meet 14 year old Hannah, get married, have a, have a son. So, but so, it's probably yeah. a good thing. Mickle freaking killed himself. You know, well, like well, it might be like it actually things like I, I might consider that, you know, things are pretty crappy uh, as they turned out. So, like, okay, so maybe I don't exist anymore, but I have a feeling that everyone else in Winden might be a little bit better off. But also, you know, you go messing with uh, the space-time continuum like that in, in any – like, I mean, he's obviously seen science fiction or, you know, he wouldn't have hesitated, right? Absolutely. Now, you know, you mentioned that, that certainly it appears – a pretty safe bet that the stranger is future Jonas. But one thing I did notice is that, that adult Jonas, if you will, he has a tiny little mole that teenage Jonas doesn't have. Now, after, you know, Ines's large mole that helps us realize, Oh, you know, the young nurse and the older woman are the same person. I'm not sure it really matters, uh, but it's certainly something I'm going to keep in mind. I, I guess you could yeah. develop well, a mole as you get older if you're out in the let, sun. Let, let me say this about moles. And if you haven't seen Westworld yet, um, just kind of turn down the volume for the next maybe 30 seconds. But that was the only hope that I clung to in season one of Westworld that Will young William was not the man in black. Right, because I'm like, well, Jimmy Simpson has a big ass mole on the side of his face, and Ed Harris clearly doesn't. So I'm like, right there, that's just, they can't be the same person. And then they were. So obviously, the people of Westworld just like, who who cares about the mole? You know, f you, <laughs> they're they're being the same person. So, right. um, so I have a I have an ambivalent relationship with uh with moles on actors, and that being considered like identifying markers as you know if a person is someone in the future or not or whatever okay and that's all we're going to say about that all that's right all so. i'm going to say about that <laughs> all right so jonas is but ready. that really bothered me you know like i was just so hoping i'm like i don't want that to happen all right i'm sorry 
I understand. Let's move on. So, all right, so Jonas is ready to confront Mickle, but he sees Hannah come up to young Mickle and, and realizes that he's watching his parents as children, pulls out yeah. the letter and then decides against it. But it's a really moving scene. I, I just it's just so many scenes like that in, in this episode. So Jonas well, makes his that way- that's his moment. Well, right? sure. Absolutely. That's the moment. It could so easily, because Mickle would recognize him. He could just say, Mickle. Mickle would be like, Jonas, holy crap, what are you doing here? Like, we're in 1960. Like, I know. Let's get the hell out of here. Like, yeah. You know, and boom, they go back. Jonas knows he's got the string. They go back, and by the boom, by the bing, uh, Mickle's back in 2019. Like, easy. Easy peasy could happen so easily. Um, he doesn't even have to go up to Mickle. He could just say, hey, Mickle, right? And that's yeah. it. Sure. But he, you know, like, but you just see him struggling, right? It's that struggle, that decision. Well, and and I guess on the one hand, again, it is a, a huge struggle, and he decides to not take action, goes back to 2019. But I would think he realizes that should he change his mind, he knows where to find them. Yeah, true, true. But if he comes back, now, now here's what I didn't think of. If he comes back to 1986, does he come back to like the same day in 1986? Well, or? and we talked about that. We we don't know the answer to that. Yeah. It, it appears that it would probably be close, but but we don't know that. He returns to 2019. His mother asks him where he was, and and I'm sitting here thinking, you want him to say, you mean when was I? But he asks right. her if she yeah. believes in fate. Tells her that dad loved her very much. And it was really something that, you know, she needed to hear and, 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 you know, they really hug it out. And it was very similar to when Magnus hugs his mother after that fight with uh, Regina, where, where she really needed to be hugged. Right. Well, except for maybe one of these mothers kind of deserves consolation and the other one, maybe not so much. Well, and that's true. And we don't necessarily know how much. Jonas knows about his mother and her relationship with Ulrich at this point, but still. Well, I mean, he, he I knows. Guess. I know. Okay. You know. But we get to the scene in his room, and arguably the key scene in this episode, and he burns the letter. Yeah. Now, now you could say, what difference does it make? It's, you know, what is it really proof of? But the tears streaming down his face as he does it leads me to question, why did you do it? Because on the one hand, it, it was something of your father's, something of importance that your father wanted you to have, almost as if he's passing this torch onto you and you burn it. So Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it definitely has... It's all tied in with his decision not to bring Mickle back and to leave Mickle there. That that decision was like an irrevocable choice in his mind that uh, burning the letter is just like a, an offshoot of that. Well, plus, I mean, he knows the letter still exists, right? I mean, yeah, he's burning it. And this is the end of the letter, but the letter is still around. But is he thinking right? that way? I mean, I he, he understands he's time traveling, but you know, does he really right. think about the ramifications of what 
all of these things mean. I'm I'm guessing I, I would say no. no. Yeah, I would say no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And whether he has considered returning to 1986, and for all he knows, going back into that tunnel might lead him to somewhere other than 1986. Right. He doesn't know that. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we learn a lot. We know, obviously, more than he does about, you know, most of these things. But the other fascinating aspect, and we've certainly talked about Ulrich, you know, Jonas really processing all of these changes that, that are facing him. Ulrich, you know, he continues the Mads investigation. And on the one hand, it really is good police work, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah, Ulrich is actually yeah. I mean, like, as as whatever you say about Ulrich, and there's plenty we can say about him, good and bad. But yeah, he's he's doing police work and he's he's laying it out like methodically. Now it's crazy, right? Sure. Like we would we would think like every other people like if if you were his superior, if you were uh, Charlotte, and he came up to you and said, "I'm investigating the possibility." that Mad somehow time traveled 33 years, you'd be like, that is freaking Cocoa Puffs, man. That is nuts. But uh, but honestly, like, you know, we know that he's doing it right. He's right. He's the only one who's figuring this out without, like Jonas needed like actual proof. Like Ulrich is going to come to that conclusion by looking at the evidence that is available, actual physical evidence. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I have been thinking about, and and there's another one of these British detective shows that I'm watching where a couple has gotten divorced after the death of their child. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we certainly know that the death of a child often leads to that sort of a thing that one or both parents just really can't handle it. And on the one hand, we could say, well, Ulrich and Katarina's problems stem from Mickle's disappearance. But of course, we know that's not true. I mean, that might be the catalyst for things to start to fall into place for her. But he comes back and he's talking to her and he tells her he's ready to be there for her. And I'm thinking like, yeah, right. And (laughs) she, I love this when she reminds him that he always wanted out of Wyndon and asks him whether he's ever been happy. And of course, he lies and says he is happy. And then she just says, yeah, well, I know about Hannah. I think I've known it all along. And then I love it when he comes back with that classic response, well, I can explain. I'm like, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, yeah, that, that, that's rough. Because obviously we are kind of, you know, I mean, like uh, Ulrich has definitely screwed things up big time. But we don't necessarily 100% Hate, I don't even 50% hate Ulrich, um, especially when you see his treatment by Egon and everything. Like, we really, I I, I feel an amount of sympathy with him. Now, not, obviously, the, uh, mess, I don't even know why he's messing around with Hannah, you know? Well- Well, he's obviously gone through a lot. He was accused of rape at 17. His brother disappeared. His mother, uh, obviously, whether she was emotionally broken before Mads disappeared, we don't necessarily know that. But after, you know, he's gone, she she clearly is a mess. So he's 
already experienced a lot by the time he reaches adulthood doesn't necessarily excuse cheating on your wife and and then that right. you know the question you raise what the heck drew him to hannah and and of course tonight we we learned that he never really knew that it was hannah that accused him in the first place sure. so right right well yeah I, I mean like hannah's attractive i mean there's no doubt about that and you know if a if a good looking woman throws herself at you enough times maybe eventually it's going to stick but you know kind of you know but he seems like to have like we, we don't really see him like you know, having issues with Katarina. I mean, they're a normal, busy family. And, and when you have busy families, sometimes you have a lot of kids. And from a guy who has four kids, I know sometimes uh, mommy and daddy don't have a lot of time for each other because we're running around driving kids to practice and to band and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I guess we can kind of see, but I don't think it's anything really dramatic that happens. So when he says that he's he's happy or at least he's not i can't remember exactly what he said but i i don't necessarily not believe him you know okay like probably in his mind he said i could be happy with my family life but i'm also kind of happy boning this other younger chick yeah you know i guess well i mean she's not that much younger i guess we know she's three or four years you know we, we learned that she was 14 in 86 i believe so but you know, but you're the, the hot widow, so you know oh. whatever. It's like you know, like he, he, I'm just saying in Ulrich's mind, I don't think he's lying or being hypocritical. I think he probably honestly believes that he's happy with Katarina, even though he's having or he, I mean, obviously he's cut it off. So that might even more reinforce that I've chosen Katarina and my family over Hannah. So you know, so that just even more shows that what I, what's really important to me, you know? Right. And, and what I was kind of getting at is what's that going to do to their relationship through the end of season one and into season two, you know, are they going to stay together? I, I, I don't know, but it's, I, looks it's certainly tough. Looks tough now. Right. But Ulrich back to the Mads investigation that he's reopening on his own. He asked the metal medical examiner, what's going to happen to the body of the boy found in the woods. And she tells him that she's determined that he's been dead 10 hours. And then of course he asks whether it's possible that he could have been preserved. And she says, no. And, and you know, he asks it in a way that he doesn't come across as nutty and she gives him you know the the scientific reason why that you know she would know but it certainly tells us that if mads was killed in 1986 they and and again has he been in 1986 for the last 33 years yes in in the 2019 timeline so then yeah. you know we start to get the headaches here, but regardless, well, he, but he I mean, we been... know that he was killed. Like the medical examiner isn't wrong; he he has been recently killed. It's just he was recently killed in 1986. If that can make any sense, right? And he was recently brought... killed 33 years ago, right? So then, why right. dump his body brought... in 2019? Yeah, right. I mean, right. Why not dump it in 1953? since we learn in tonight's episode that the portals go that way as well. Correct. It's almost as if they want somebody to find it. 
Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. Well, I mean, you you, you think these guys are time travelers, so they have to have a pretty good grasp on what's going to happen. So I assume that, you know, that I, I guess Noah in this case knows that Mads is going to be found in, in 2019. You know, does, does that then, um, you know, does that create this chain of causality then, right? At the end where we have Ulrich uh, following Helga into the caves, right? Like, you know, is, is all this part of like some grand plan where Mads has to be in 2019 because that is what's going to get Ulrich to go into the cave to, for whatever, right? You know? Yeah. So, well, you know, we talked about Ulrich and the investigation and it's really great. We see him laying out the photos the evidence from 1986, he's going through really this deliberate, methodical process. He's got Egon's planner from 1986, and he sees that notation about the forest road. And then he goes to the nursing home to talk to Helga, and he's he's back to his old out-of-control self. Right. Loses it, causes the nurses and orderlies to usher him out. You know, he, he tells Ulrich that I can change the past as well as the future, and we're starting to believe him because we know that he's been traveling. We've seen three iterations of Helga at this point. Mm -hmm. Now, fortunately, and I say that because I think you and I like to live in the real world, even though we're, you know, talking about a time travel television (laughs) show here. When Charlotte tells Ulrich that she's got to suspend him, it's like, yeah, you think, yeah, maybe uh, attacking a uh, old guy with dementia in the hospital and causing the whole staff to run in like yeah, that might be suspendable. Sure. Right. But he tells her as you know, he's ushering himself out that he's convinced Helga has something to do with the missing children. Why not the forest road? He was supposed to be interviewed and he didn't show up. And, and you can see the wheels turning for Charlotte that that forest road right. means something to her. Uh huh. You know, then we see Ulrich go out to his talk to his mother and asks her if she wants to know whether Mads is dead. And and she says, no, that that, you know, she in her mind holds out hope that he's going to walk through the door one day since there's no body that he's not dead in her mind. And of course, right. Which is just holding on to the that's just delusion at its highest level. You know, like we get it. Obviously, I'm not I'm not condemning her, you know. I, I get it. She's never been able to deal with the loss of her child. That's completely understandable. You, you absolutely cannot condemn her for that. But, you know, she's choosing to believe what is clearly a fiction. Like, really? Mads is okay somewhere? And, you know, like, mm, you know, obviously, obviously not. You know, John, and at some point, probably a, about a couple decades ago, you should have tried to you know, process this and deal with this because you, she hasn't moved on in 33 years. Right. And the other thing, you know, it would be easy to criticize her for not telling the police some of the things that she's about to tell Ulrich. But the week before Mads disappeared, she saw a priest arguing with a man and said that she saw the same man today, but he hadn't aged a bit. Yeah. noticed his damaged ear. Yeah. So we assume then she saw 
1986 Helga in 1986 and 1986 Helga in 2019. But my right. question is, doesn't she know Helga? That, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like, this is a small town. Everyone knows everyone else. Like, especially you're going to know the guy whose ear is all messed up. You know, like, clearly, you know Helga. Right. You but, know, and, and especially since, well, okay, if you're like everyone else here, you grew up in this town, you've been living in this town your whole life. I'm just saying, yeah, like, yeah, how does she not recognize Helga as Helga, right? Right, right. But we do know that Helga and Noah have some sort of a connection, some sort of a relationship. That's who he's arguing with, because that's the only priest that we've seen in the series at this point. But uh, Ulrich drives down what I assume is the forest road. And, of course, he decides to go there in the middle of the night when you can't really see anything. But uh, eventually gets back to the nursing home. And I'm thinking, like, really? Getting thrown out once, getting put on suspension, that wasn't enough for you. It's just not enough. But (laughs) Helga's not there. He finds the book, A Journey Through Time, that coin on a red string in the book you know for us uh, i mean there does seem to be some sort of recognition to ulrich i mean certainly there is for us and then that's where uh, of course he starts following helga into the woods at night calls charlotte tells her helga abducted the kids in 1986 and of course that's not going to make any sense to her at this point no. follows him into the cave and you know, it, w- when Helga moves that rock or whatever, there seems to be like some sort of box there that houses a lantern that clearly right. time travelers have left for themselves, I guess, when, whenever they're ready to make a journey, which was which was kind of cool. But but, uh, but like if, if they're like all big time travelers and stuff, how come they don't have a cool flashlight like Jonas has, right? Well, you know, like they got they got old one. Like Jonas has like a future type flashlight and well right and we've talked about how many portals how many tunnels there actually are i mean i think at this point we know that there are three my question ulrich determines that helga abducted the kids in 86 i'm still bothered by an explanation for mickle being abducted in 2019 it almost appears that mickle just kind of found his way to 1986 that he really wasn't abducted he got lost on his own uh yes i have a theory on that but i'm going to leave it for the spoiler zone okay because i'm not sure like i developed this theory but i think i developed it in a later episode so i'm i'm not i I don't i want to talk about just yet okay all right now um you know, we, we see a little bit of Egon Tideman in 1986, and we've already talked uh, about some of his uh, interactions with Jonas. But Katerina, we see that scene where she tells Egon that Ulrich didn't rape her. And, of course, at the time we thought, well, wouldn't this just clear everything up if she went and told the police that it's, it's all a mistake? Yeah. Tells him that the witness is lying about Ulrich hurting her. And, of course, he brings up the fact that uh, she has a black eye, and, and she won't say who did it. And, and I think conventional wisdom is that her father did it, that somehow he learned that she had sex. Well, uh, of course, he's being held on rape charges. So, uh, you know, probably her father, uh, in reaction to Katerina telling her father, he didn't rape me. Oh, so you just had sex with him. 
Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I mean, that seems to make sense. He would never hurt me, never. Well, yeah. maybe physically, but obviously uh, exactly. as adults, he... Right. That line is just dripping with irony, obviously. Yeah, you're right. Like, not physically, absolutely not. Uh, we see no evidence of that at all. But, uh, but yeah, he devastated her emotionally. Yeah. For so, sure. Right. Um, now, yeah, and, and that, again, Egon is just, like, he just, he's, he's just so out to get Ulrich, you know? Like, he just can't, like, he, he refuses to accept even, like, Katarina's testimony, like, you know, like, and, and it's pretty convincing. Like, no, he didn't do it. I, she even says, I wanted to do it. I pressured him. I made him go get the condoms. It's like, who would say that? Granted, I know that, that rape victims can be vulnerable, but I don't think that, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know. But it's just like her her whole, like, you know, explanation of the truth of it seems a lot more convincing than, you know, obviously Hannah's half-baked uh, scheme as to, you know, um, you know her accusation in the first place. Well, it just gave Egon exactly what he needed and wanted, some excuse to arrest Ulrich. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, Charlotte's also searching for the truth, the way everybody else seems to be in this episode. And, and she finally gets her search warrant for the nuclear power plant, confronts Alexander with it. And on the one hand, it struck me that the guards are sitting there with machine guns, but I guess it is a nuclear power plant. So you do have to keep it secure. So um, it still seems a little like, I mean, I, I, granted, I, I don't know what was going on in, in Europe and Germany in the 80s but you know it's and i know there's always like people protesting nuclear power but i don't think i you know i don't think anyone would not to the, to the degree we need like guys with machine guns that it, to me seems very extreme right well she gets in and i guess they're conducting a search of the grounds within the power plant looking for mickle and, and then she's examining again what i believe must be the forest road and i'm not sure what she sees in the ground but she notices a locked gate in a fence and i don't think she does anything but you know i'm not sure what it is she thinks she sees at this point but when she descends into the same spot that we saw claudia tideman descend in 1986 i thought all right um Number one, how did you find that spot? You just happened to have a rope to go down there, just like Claudia did in 86. But, all right, uh, we understand from a narrative perspective why she had to go down there, because she notices flakes of yellow paint, Mm -hmm. which we assume were, you know, scraped off those barrels. The barrels, right. Of the nuclear waste that they've since gotten rid of and hidden somewhere else right yeah so absolutely I mean, be, yep. right beyond that i don't really take away any any really meaning about that well yeah I, I, well i mean again there, there's things we can discuss the spoiler zone okay. but she does notice that the door has been welded shut yeah yeah exactly yeah. you know as and she, i'm sorry go ahead no i was just going to say that that she finds that door that aldrich tried to pry open earlier and right. as you said it's it's 
you know, been repaired, welded shut, whatever. Yeah. She's not getting which, through it. Right, which would explain Ulrich's difficulty in getting through as well. Like, it's welded shut, dude. You're, you're not going to bang that door down. You know, it's, okay. it ain't happening. Right. Um, but it's also like, you know, Charlotte, we know she is like a thorough investigator, right? She's, and she's going to like examine every aspect that she can. Like we said, I think it was like last week, which is just like, let's go back. Let's look at everything for the past like 50 years. And everyone's like, what? What? Why? You know, but just, she's just like, she's going to do her absolute due diligence. She's going to uncover every rock she can to get to the truth here. Right. Right. Now, I don't know what the deal is with eye patch guy at the uh, <laughs> police station. I mean, if he seems he, to be easily offended. Yeah. Well, I, whatever. But he tells Charlotte that there's a cave system that goes under the road near her cabin and the forest road. And we start putting things together. And he says it hasn't all been mapped out except by Jonas's father, Michael, apparently. Right. Yeah. Um, so she goes to the cabin that night, and while she's on her way, she calls Peter and asks if he knows that his father was supposed to be questioned by the police in 1986. And then she starts really grilling her husband, and of course mm-hmm. he seems defensive, no matter what. Yeah, and well, he just uh, looks like a guilty guy. Like you just look at him, he's just like he's guilty, right? And <laughs> apparently, the she she starts mentioning the date of Helga's accident as being November 12th, 1986. Now, right. I mean, that's not the accident. That's right. Right. For that's, his that's, ear, it, it must be some other accident. Yeah. But to the untrained eye, which was mine the first time, I think I watched this. I, I think the first time I saw this, I, I recall just assuming that by accident, they meant when he got his, his head all banged up. But you know, like like you said, obviously that's not it because we know that that happened. It looks like in in fifty three. Yeah. So. All right. Well, she kid. gets to right. She gets to the bunker as Jonas is returning to twenty nineteen, and the lights start flashing in eighty six and twenty nineteen. But she finds that piece of wallpaper on the ground that that you mentioned is uh, from nineteen eighty six, and obviously there's no wallpaper on the walls anymore there's no chair anymore but we we know that it must be the same room let's uh check in with our listener feedback and we got an email from kathleen this week who says i love the podcast i was so excited when i found it and i'm wondering if it's okay to recommend a show well absolutely kathleen kathleen especially when you start off like that Whatever you say after that, we're going to say yes to. So, <laughs> Right. I know you guys already covered Eliza Dushku's Dollhouse, but I also highly recommend her other show, True Calling. That one is a whirlwind of emotion. And, okay. you know, as I said in my response uh, to Kathleen, it's a show that I've had on my radar for a long time. And basically, uh, her character is she's not a medical examiner but she works in a morgue and she realizes that somehow the dead can talk to her and what she wants to be able to do is go back and prevent them from dying i think that's the premise so it's certainly got a supernatural feel to it but two seasons i believe 13 episodes each so 
you know, something we'll have to talk about. I notice it's not on Netflix, but it looks like it's on Amazon Prime. Okay. All right, so we heard from Fred, so let's take a listen to what he has to say. Hi, Dave and Wayne. This is Fred from the Netherlands with Feedback for Dark, Season 1, Episode 7, called Crossroads, or in German, Kreuzwege. First off, this time I did manage to listen to your Episode 6 podcast before I recorded this feedback. So I can answer one of your questions about the so-called distance between Jonas and his mother, because he calls her mother instead of mom or mama. Dave said that the subtitles do translate mother with mom. Well, guys, you made a point of this uh, for nothing, because in the original German version, Jonas does call his mother mama. So it's just a dubbing problem. Okay, for once an episode of Dark gives more answers than it creates new questions. And I listed them as seven answers. The answers that we got are 1. Wayne's question, does nobody own an umbrella in Winden? Answer, no, Wayne, not nobody. Alexander has one, a very nice big one. But obviously they are very high priced in Winden. It seems to be a commodity just for the rich and wealthy. Actually, I have a new question concerning this topic. Does it ever rain gently in Winden? 2. They do address Katrina's blue eye, although we still don't know how she got it. I do believe that Ulrich didn't do it, but I don't believe her that she just fell. 3. Jonas does realize that Mikkel is his father and Martha is his aunt, although in the beginning he doubts his own sanity. I really wonder how this will affect his relationship with Marta. Is he going to end the relationship with, uh, without explaining her why? Which will probably give a great emotional response on her part. Especially because we have seen how unstable she already became because of what happened to Mikkel. We saw her breakdown during the school play. Or... Other option, is he going to tell Marta and she is going to end the relationship because she thinks he is just as crazy as his father. Actually, I think he's not going to tell anybody about what he knows because he burns his father's letter at the end of the episode, his only proof of time travel. A nitpick is of course that when he had his headphones with him, He probably uh, had his cell phone with him as well, and he could have taken pictures in the past. On the other hand, if he doesn't want to have any proof in his possession and even burning his father's letter, he probably doesn't want to have pictures either. Then there is the last option, of course, that he just continues his relationship with Marta. Nobody knows or will believe she is his aunt. In the Netherlands, it is, since 1970, allowed to marry your aunt or uncle anyhow. An internet search resulted in the fact that this is also allowed in Germany. From a genetic point of view, one shares on average 25% of one's genetic material with his aunt or uncle. 4. We now know that Alexander removed all the barrels with radioactive waste from the cave. We already could expect that because we saw in episode 2 that he ordered his men to load something on a truck. That something was covered with plastic though, so we couldn't really see what it was. Now that we see the empty cave and some yellow paint chips on the ground, 
this becomes evident. Uh, I just wonder how full the cage was. We already see quite an amount of barrels back in 1986 when Baron Doppler is showing it to Claudia Tiedemann. Did Claudia actually continue what Bernd had started? And perhaps even after her, did Alexander continue that? So how many barrels were there actually? 5. The major cave entrance has a connection uh, via the barrel cave uh, and the door with the other entrance that Charlotte back in 1986 Claudia used by rappelling down. The door Charlotte discovers in this episode is almost certainly the same as the one as Ulrich tries to break open from the other side uh, in his search for Mikkel. 6. We now know that the electrostatic disturbances in Winton are associated with a person traveling between two time periods, since we see this when Jonas returns to 2019. 7. It slowly becomes clear that the Doppler bunker was used for the experiments on the children in 1986. Charlotte finds in 2019 a piece of wallpaper that fits to this hypothesis. Point is that the wallpaper in, uh, is really from 1986, when in 1953 Noah is scrubbing the floor of the bunker, it's not there. I mean the wallpaper, and in 2019 it's not there uh, anymore either. This means that the 2019 Eric Oberdorf is brought back to 1986. And from Matt's his injuries, we can assume that they performed the same kind of experiments on him. Matt died just as the kid Helge pulls out of the bunker in 1986. But why did they dump Metz's body, body in the 2019 woods, and then being found by Ulrich and Charlotte without, without any decomposition? Okay, new questions. Who is the dead kid Helge pulls out of the bunker in 1986? If you look at the clothes, it's not Metz nor Eric. 2. What will the 2019 Helge do in the cave, and what will Ulrich discover? by following him. 3. Obviously we see Noah not only in 1986 at Mikkel's bed and in 2019 in his car with Bartos, but we also now see him in 1953 with his tattoos, again 33 years earlier. Do we get a 1953 episode the next time? Well, probably yes. So I will post my second pedigree on the Facebook page now as an aid to keep track of all the persons in the next episode. But be warned, it will contain some minor spoilers. And I was probably right about the fact that the bunker is not from World War II, uh, bunker is from World War II and not from the Cold War. In 1953, the Cold War was not that much of a threat that people would build a bunker for it. Furthermore. 1953 is only 8 years after World War II ended. Nice reference uh, to episode 1 as last point is when Ulrich finds the pawn in his car and remembers what Mikkel said when he did his magic trick at breakfast. That the question isn't, question isn't how, the question is when. Greetings, all the best from the Netherlands, Fred. Alright, well he raises the 
point about Jonas's relationship with Martha now that he knows what his true connection actually is. And, you know, how can it not alter the way he sees her? I mean, he's not going to tell her the truth because as weird as Wyndon is, even time travel might be a bit much for her to take yeah. in. And, and, and granted, like marrying your aunt might be like legal in Germany and the Netherlands, but like, come on guys. Like, <laughs> right now, Fred mentions taking photos in 1986 with his smartphone, but I'm not sure what that would prove, you know? Well, I mean, well, I, mean uh, I guess they would be time stamped. Sure. But- what, what, what would they be timestamped as? It's not like well, there's like like cell towers up that they oh, can. Oh, that's a good yeah. question, right? Right. In Nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, but I mean, either way, I, I think the point is like he doesn't want photos. He's cutting. He he made his decision to kind of. I'm not saying cut ties with the past, but. He's made the decision that he's not going to go back to the past and try and fix this Mickle thing. He's going to let Mickle stay in 86. He's going to let Mickle grow up, marry Hannah, and, you know, procreate Jonas. Right. So I think the, the fact of taking pictures, why would he want to when he, he doesn't want more reminders of 86? He's, he's, you know, kind of basically, you know, cutting ties with 86 altogether. Right. So now Fred mentions the experiments and for me, I mean, my fundamental question is what the hell are they doing? And right. Fred mentions why dump the body in 2019. So I'm assuming, as I said earlier, that they must want someone to find it. Do they want someone to know what they're doing? I mean, I can't believe they want to be caught. But no, I, I I don't think that's I, you know I just really I, I'm I, I kind of think as I said before it's this kind of um, this whole causality chain that's going on here that the body has to be there because that you know for right now we've seen a number of things happen because of of Mads's uh, a body being found in 2019 but the most notable of which right now is that it leads Ulrich down this path that he's going to follow Helga now into that cave. All that can be directly related to Ulrich's recognizing the body as Mads' body. Right. And that's no small thing, him going no. into the cave. Right. That, that's a, that's a huge thing. Right. Right. We don't know what's going to happen uh, or, you know, in there, is he going to kill Helga is, you know, whatever. But I mean, the fact that he's following Helga and we know Helga from picking up the lantern you know, Helga's going in there with some purpose. And we also know that Helga that can move between time periods, you know? Yeah. So Helga sure. in 2019 knows as much about time travel as Helga in 1986 did. So, you know, I mean, it, it that to me, it seems like this chain of causality that Mads' by leads Ulrich to do this thing. And then all this, you know, I, I guess it goes back to, what was it, last episode where, you know, Thus, the world is created, right? Like right. all of this stuff is happening for a specific reason in order to bring about something that creates the world, which we we don't know what that means. But um, it just seems like, yeah, well, yeah. Jonas says he asked Hannah, "Do you believe in fate?" Right. So, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like what we're talking about. I mean, this is 
you know, this is fate. All this stuff, it seems like, was fated to happen. All these things are happening for a a reason. And so, I don't know. I just, I'm just assuming, like, Mads is by being in 2019 at that right time is in line with this whole chain of causality. So, Okay. All right. Well, Fred has some questions, not as many as he had last week, but... Who is the dead kid that Helga pulls out of the bunker in 1986 since it doesn't appear to be Mads? And I'm going with Yasin at this point. I'm not sure, but kind of makes sense. What will 2019 Helga do in the cave and what will Ulrich discover following him? And that is a huge question, which obviously if you've seen the rest of the season, you have some ideas how to answer that but but yeah as you said that is huge and then lastly do we get a 1953 episode next now that we see noah in that time i don't know i guess we'll see yeah (laughs) uh just kidding fred but uh (laughs) yeah anyway uh fred thanks for checking in with us and yeah only three episodes to go so and I don't know how long we're going to have to wait for season two, but let's move on to the spoiler zone and okay. we'll, we'll you know, give our fair warning now. So before we head to the spoiler corner or whatever we're going to call it, uh, yes. anything else you want to No, mention? I'm just too eager to get to the, the, the spoiler part. So Okay, so <laughs> if you have not seen the rest of season one, Stop listening to the podcast now because we're going to talk Stop. about some things that you don't know yet. You Maybe you've speculated, but you don't know. You so. don't want to. Trust me, you don't want to know. 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 Just stop it right now. Just stop. Don't don't even go. I know you You might want to hear like the line I do at the end. C- come back after you've watched the rest of the episodes and, and hear how I integrated some line in a clever way. All right, but just don't, don't do it now. Just stop. Just turn it off. I, I I meant it. Like I, I know you over there in Cleveland, you're still listening. Listen, you don't want to do it. Turn it off. Now. Stop messing around. I'm, I'm not kidding. Turn it off. Okay, good. Fine. All right. So for me, I, I mean, really the only thing, and I've mentioned this a, a number of times over the course of this podcast, is that I've forgotten a lot of the details, but we do know that the following years can be accessed. 1953, 1986, 2019, like I don't, I don't know, but we know there's there's at least. I mean, we we're next episode we go to the fifty three, which is awesome, uh, and then the last absolute last scene is in um, twenty fifty two, where now that I think about it, it's probably not, but I thought it was Martha who pops him. Oh, okay. But now that I think about it, like she's probably too young to be Martha. Because Martha's probably, what, in 2019, she's probably like 16. So in 2053, she would be definitely in her mid to late 40s. So, but I just thought, because you know how like everyone has kind of like the same facial structure as like 
the the actors they they did a, a, I think a, a brilliant job of picking actors to play the people um, in the past and the future. You know? Oh yeah, no question. And so I just the last time I watched it, uh, you, you don't really see that woman for very long. But I'm like, you know what? She kind of looks like Martha. So I don't know. So it's funny explain why she she pops him. Um, well, oh well, the, I mean, the the big one, the re- the one that really blew my mind this time around was when Ulrich goes to question um, Helga. And the first time I saw it, as most people would naturally they figure that Helga freaks out just because Ulrich is being a little too aggressive with his questioning and Helga's very sensitive. You know, when you really think about it, Ulrich kind of goes in like kind of calmly, like I just had a couple questions and, and uh, Helga really freaks out. Well, it's because he recognizes Ulrich as the guy who tried to kill him back in 1953. Yeah, you know, which is what Ulrich is going to go back in time. He's going to hunt down Helga, and he's going to try and bash his head in with a rock. Right, which obviously doesn't work out very well. So no. that just like this time around, like watch him, like oh my god, like oh my god, like oh you know, and then you just kind of like realizes that like Helga just I, I assume because of dementia, he never kind of put that together earlier. Because I mean, like it seems to me like one person's face you'd never forget was the dude who tried to bash your head in with a rock, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and certainly that's something that we've talked about. And you know, looking at various dark forums and the dark Reddit, uh, I think most people explain it away is, is that 33 years is a long time, that, that people do forget things. And Yeah, but uh, like... I, I know, I know. Somebody that bashed... Well, actually, bash you were thinking about it, it's, it's actually 66 years, right? Well, oh, until good point. 2019. But though Ulrich probably looked like he does now, you know, probably for, you know, maybe like 20 years, you know, maybe, you know, 15 at the least, that I, I would chalk it up maybe to dementia, you know. But I mean... Yeah. It, I mean, like, we really don't care, though, you know. It's just, it is a trippy uh, scene there. Yeah, so... All right, what else? Which you could probably come to the conclusion, as as we said way before, we wouldn't have talked about how the stranger being Jonas unless there was like this really overwhelming evidence that that, that was the case. And I think even if we were watching this for the first time, by this point, we'd be talking about the stranger's got to be Jonas, right? We might be talking about in the case of, well, it might be a red herring, but they're, they're clearly showing us, and, and that does turn out to be the case. That that shows which then the the passion with which he's like you know the 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 fire and the anger which he's like you cannot take Mickle you know like he because not only would Jonas be erasing himself but he'd be erasing the stranger right well good point so and uh, and, and obviously as we've said the stranger is he's been places and he's seen things. That uh, you know, like you 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 call the rope marks and everything. I mean, he's he's been to some dark dark places, um, but yet he, you know, very strenuously does not want Jonas to uh, take Mickle back to 2019. Right, because there's got to be a larger purpose that he plays, and right. obviously, future Jonas knows what that is. Yeah, we assume he knows what it is. Maybe right. he well, doesn't. Well, well, but we know Jonas is going to go to the future, right? So when it's all at the end of this, he, I mean, he is definitely, he is in the future 
I think, well, because Elaine says, welcome to the future too. I mean, that's, yeah, that's kind of a tip off. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, so I mean, like, like, and, and he's just young. So like, I mean, the stranger is probably like, you know, maybe 20 years older, 15, 20 years older than Jonas is now. I mean, that's a lot of, of stuff happening to him in that time. And, and we know the, the future that Jonas goes to at the end of this, this series is, is not a happy future. No. It's, no, it's very, a future we've said, seen in many shows, but yeah. happy it's not. Yeah, they even have like the like the the drones like we see in like Terminator and stuff, you know. Yeah, keep keep waiting for uh, Echo and Paul Ballard to come through a wall with machine guns. But, Absolutely. So, um, all right, what else you so got? They, so they mentioned the accident that Helga was in. We don't know what that talks about, but so, am I going to spoil this for you? I feel bad like talking about this stuff. If that's okay, I remember because. Old Helga is going to, you know, he, when he goes in the cave, he's going back to 86. He's going to find his younger self uh, and try to tell him to, to stop it, to stop helping out Noah. Um, younger Helga doesn't listen. So older Helga actually ends up getting a car and ramming into younger Helga. And, and he'll die in that. So the Helga, 2019 Helga is going to die trying to kill himself in 1986. Which he must have known wouldn't work, yeah. You know, because like this is like the, this is like the crazy thing. Like, okay, you're gonna you're gonna cause a and, and this is like more the causality, right? Because he's gonna cause this car accident to happen, which he knew was gonna happen because he was in it back in 1986, and they're talking about it. Charlotte and Peter are talking about it in 2019. So that's like a historical thing. That's not like a new thing that happens. But yet, the elder Helga, in an attempt to make things different, actually does the exact same thing that actually happened the first time around. You know? Yeah. That that wow. that blows my mind. Just saying that. Yep. All right. Uh, last but not least, I just I feel so bad, Dave. I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to do it's this. okay. I don't even remember what you just said now. So okay. <laughs> um. You had talked about Pierre and Tronte being red herrings, and it turns out they totally are, right? Yeah, yeah. That we find out that, you know, like, Peter is just sitting in the bunker, and Mads just drops out of, like, literally a hole opens up in the middle of space, and Mads drops out. And he freaks out, and he calls Tronte. And so the whole time when we totally suspect these two as being in it, as, as obviously we're led to believe, um, they are not at all. So they're complete red herrings, which, as we said, kind of annoys the both of us. But yet, I don't mind it so much, I guess, actually. That was a, that was a good one. As far as red herrings goes, that was a pretty good one, yeah. you know, because they, um, they, they like, I mean, and I, I feel bad now. Like, I, I went and watched the rest of it, and, re, and I remembered, I'm like, oh, yeah, and I feel bad about it, because I was really kind of nasty about Peter, especially, um, really took a lot of my ire uh, early on. Now, I... I don't. I still don't think he's like great, you know. But I, I get why he doesn't tell Charlotte what's going on because it's 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 crazy, right? Like, like if he told her, she'd probably have him locked up. Like, oh yeah, I was sitting in the bunker and you know, Mads Nielsen uh, just dropped out of nowhere and he was dead and you know, like like no. Oh, that's not Mads. It's not Mads that 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 uh, that um, that Helga pulls out because 
because Peter and, and Tronte take Madge's body and put it where it's supposed to be, right? Yeah, as far as I remember. But. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now we just remember that. So. Wow. This show is just, the, the, oh, man. There's just so, <laughs> there's so much to this show. It's just unbelievable, you know? Like, I, I could talk about this show for, for at least an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> All right. Any more, anything else? Uh, I think that might, well, we, we do find out that uh, Katarina was, you know, obviously her mother is actually the one who gave her the beat down, not her dad. All right. Well, that's, that's a lot. So, I, I'm, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you rewatched it. I'm, I'm looking for, I'm still going to go one episode at a time. Uh, I feel bad now, Dave. Everybody no, that's did. okay. I mean, the hard part though is not spoiling it for people like Fred that this is their first viewing. Yeah. So yeah. that's why I'm trying to, you know, but that's okay. So sure. You know. Well, because like I, I'd, I'd seen it twice and like a lot of that stuff that I just talked about, I'd forgotten or didn't and I, like, just like I've forgotten stuff. That t- it's just, there's so much, there's, it's so dense. There's so much in this, this show that, you know, like there's so many, like it's so detail oriented and that's what like the great thing about it. It's just like, as I've talked about before, it's just like every detail and every shot and every scene is meaningful so like there's there's no like blow off there's no scene that's just like just there for the heck of it like everything is totally meaningful it's just awesome so cool all right well we'll stop there and yeah like you said the the weight is going to be excruciating hopefully travelers will fill the void and whatever we do uh, you know, before Travelers comes back. but Yeah, we'll come up with something good. In yeah, there. but uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Dark, anything else going on in genre TV. Encourage you to join the Facebook group. Share your thoughts with the Sci-Fi TV Rewatch community. And if you're already a member, spread the word. Emails, as always, go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. Voicemails can go via the SpeakPipe tab on the website. And we'll be back next week to talk about Season 1, Episode 8 of Dark, titled, As You Sow, So Shall You Reap. But until then... You know, as uh, one proctologist said to the other, and I thought my family was the one full of assholes. <laughs> <laughs>